Today's scripture reading comes from Daniel chapter 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded that, and Daniel was, was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. 
Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God endures forever. What do you do when you come face to face with a lion? Hopefully none of us will literally be thrown into a lion's den, but we all come face to face with other kinds of lions. Maybe they are layoffs at your job and your boss asks to meet with you and you feel that same kind of panic as if a lion were charging right at you. Or maybe you have a job, but it drains your enthusiasm for life. Even now, it's stealing your joys. You dread going to work tomorrow or on Tuesday. And you feel that same kind of anxiety that Daniel must have felt as he awaited his fate. Maybe you feel directionless or discontent in life. It seems like everyone else is living their best life and you're just left behind, unfulfilled and unhappy. Maybe your family is constantly telling you to get married and have a family, and it's just a painful reminder of your own loneliness and sense of failure. Maybe you have a family, maybe you're married, but you still feel lonely, or you feel overwhelmed by the demands of your family and robbed of your own identity. Maybe like Daniel, you feel the pressure to compromise your faith to conform to our culture rather than remain steadfast. I feel that pressure. Even if not from a particular person, I feel the pressure to not speak up when I should or to be timid when I should be bold. Or maybe it just feels like the busyness of your life is trying to crowd out your time with God in prayer and in His Word. What do you do when you come face to face with these lions? If you're like me, you're prone to turn inward and try to solve the problem yourself. Or maybe you're tempted to look outward to the wisdom of this world. You feel a pull to go along with what everyone else is doing. Or maybe sometimes you just feel like giving up. Our passage today shows us that when you come face to face with these lions, rather than looking inward or outward or giving up, you can look up to the living God who will deliver and prosper you for his glory. When you feel overwhelmed or afraid, turn to him and he will deliver and prosper you for his glory. That's what we'll see in this passage today. The story begins with the jealousy of Daniel's colleagues. We're told that Daniel became distinguished above the rest of the king Darius's officials, and the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And so the officials conspire against him. Look at verse 4. 
Then the high, king, the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. And then look at this. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. That's quite a testimony. I mean, this is still like what happens today. If you run for public office, you can bet that your opponents are going to leave no stone unturned digging up dirt on you. Imagine that you were the subject of this investigation. How many of us could bear this kind of scrutiny in our, our uh, character and our professional ability and have our opponents come up with nothing? No mistake in your business practices, no unprofessional comment to a colleague, no cruel or ignorant comment on social media, no error or fault to be found. That's the kind of life that Daniel lived. And so the officials realized that if they're going to find any complaint against Daniel, it will have to be, verse 5, in connection with the law of his God. So they schemed to use Daniel's faithfulness to God against him, to create a conflict between the law of his God and the law of the Medes and the Persians, like it says in verse 8. And Daniel had apparently proven himself to be so faithful to God that these officials, one, know that he prays three times a day, every day, and two, know that if it comes down to it, Daniel would rather die than be unfaithful to God. That's incredible. How many of us can say that we're known like this by our friends, let alone our enemies? that our faith is so conspicuous, that we're so disciplined in our walk with God and that we would rather die than be unfaithful to God. That's the kind of life that Daniel lived. And so these officials go to the king, it says, by agreement. And the word used here has the idea of a wild mob whose brazen actions are bolstered by each other. This mob marches to the king and tell him that all the officials are in agreement that he should establish an ordinance that anyone who petitions to any god or man in the next 30 days except him should be cast into the den of lions. And this seems like a good idea to Darius. He's just begun his reign as king. And who's to complain about a whole kingdom worshiping you? He probably sees this as a way to unite the kingdom under his new rule. And then, the incredible thing happens. Daniel hears about this decree, and then just calmly and quietly goes about his normal routine. Look at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and, give, and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Imagine being Daniel's friend. How would you counsel him? Daniel, all you have to do to save your life is to stop praying for 30 days. It's not forever, just 30 days and then you can get back to it. I mean, how many of us, completely free from persecution, have gone 30 days without praying? How many of us, free to pray whenever we want, pray three times a day, every day? Daniel, just hold off for 30 days and you'll be fine. God will understand. 
Or if you pray, just don't pray on the roof. Or just don't pray by the window. Better yet, just close the window. God never commanded you to do that. Aren't you being a bit legalistic? Just pray in secret for the next 30 days. Would God really want you to die over this? All that Daniel had to do was alter his routine just a little, and it could have saved his life. But he doesn't look inward to try to manage the problem himself. He could have at least tried to appeal to the king. He doesn't look outward to what everyone else is doing, and he doesn't give up. He gets down on his knees and looks up to God, trusting that he will deliver and prosper him for his glory. He refuses to allow the law of the king to dictate his worship. Here is a man of incredible courage and conviction, a man with profound trust in God. One of the things we can take from this story is to be inspired by Daniel's example. When you're tempted to hide or downplay your faith, or when you're tempted to compromise your morals or give up on your devotional life, remember the example of Daniel. And ask God to give you that same resolve to trust in Him in the face of lions. So why did Daniel pray this way anyway? He got this from 1 Kings 8, when King Solomon first dedicated the temple to God 300 years prior. Solomon knew that the Israelites would sin against God and one day be taken into exile like Daniel was here. And he prayed that when that day came, if they repent and pray towards Jerusalem, that God would hear their prayer and deliver them. Daniel prayed every day, three times a day, because he trusted that God would answer Solomon's prayer. We learn later in chapter 9 that Daniel had realized that according to the prophecy of Jeremiah, the time of exile was about to end. God was about to answer his and Solomon's prayer and deliver his people. And when that promise was brought most into question, when Daniel's very life was in danger, he did not waver in his petition to God. He got down on his knees and prayed. And Daniel remembered his name. Does anyone know what the name Daniel means? We have a handful of Daniels in our church. Maybe you know what it means. Daniel, God is my judge. Daniel trusted that ultimately it was not the other officials or Darius who would judge his actions as right or wrong. God is my judge. In those times when God's promises seem to be brought most into question, when you feel alone and you wonder if God really is with you, when you're anxious about the future or it feels like your life is falling apart and you wonder if God really will work all things out for your good. Those are the pivotal moments. Not to turn inward and take matters into your own hands. Not to look outward to the wisdom of this world and not to give up, but to look up to the living God. Continue to seek Him trusting that he will deliver and prosper you for his glory.
The next, day is the, the next day, the officials go to Daniel's window, and he makes it very easy for them. Sure enough, there he is, praying as always. And so they go and tell the king. And when the king hears this, he's, verse 14, much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. He tries frantically to find a way around the law. But eventually, the last rays of sunlight fall behind the horizon. And in darkness, he is nothing. Now, no man can save Daniel from the lion's den. But interestingly, Darius has some hope that maybe, even though he couldn't deliver Daniel, maybe Daniel's God could. Look at what he says in verse 16. May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And with that, they cast him into the lion's den and put a stone over the top and seal it so that no one could come to rescue Daniel. And the king goes back to his palace, but not in the normal luxury of a king. He spends the night in anxious toil, refusing entertainment and too distressed to even eat or sleep. Now, this is interesting because you would think that Daniel would be the one to be anxious. And yet it's the king who was up all night anguishing over what would happen to Daniel. And as soon as those first rays of sunlight come back over the horizon, he runs to the den and cries out in anguish, verse 20, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you? Look at the juxtaposition here. The king is agonizing. And look at Daniel's response. These are the only words of Daniel in this entire story. And there's no hint of anxiety or unease. Throughout the whole story, we get this picture of a calm, steadfast, purposeful man, untroubled by the chaos around him. The officials muster together into a mob to conspire against him. Their constant chatter and treachery is what dominates this narrative. The king is full of anxiety, worried about what will happen to Daniel. And when we finally hear from Daniel, look at his demeanor, verse 21. Undisturbed, he just says, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths. Darius wasn't the only one fasting last night. So too were the lions. And they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. In the midst of an incredible situation, Daniel trusts in God. And it brings him a profound sense of peace. And if you in the midst of the chaos and endless chatter all around you, when you come face to face with a lion, if you trust in him, you can have that same peace. You won't find it if you look inward and try to manage it on your own. You won't find that peace if you look outward, following the crowd and earthly wisdom. And you won't find that peace by giving up, resigning yourself to failure. But if you look up 
to the living God, he will give you a peace that transcends all understanding. A peace that comes from trusting that he is your judge. He is the one in control, and he will deliver and prosper you for his glory. One of the things I've been reflecting on is in this story is that this is really a small thing to God. Shutting the lion's mouth seems astounding, and it is. But what is that to the God of the universe? What is that to the living God who governs all of history, to the, from the movements of the stars, to the rise and fall of empires, to the movements of this page as my breath goes out? Our problems seem so big when they're right in front of us. That deadline at work, that conflict, that addiction you can't seem to break, that pressure to present a certain persona to the world. These things seem so big when they're right in front of us, when you can feel the lion breathing on the back of your neck and the low growl between its teeth. But when you take a step back, what is that to God? Rather than staring down at your problem, look up to the living God and he will give you a peace no matter what is going on around you. That brings us to a key part of what we learn from this story. One of the central lessons for us here today is this. God doesn't always keep you from hardship, but he is with you through the hardship. God didn't keep Daniel from the lion's den, but he sent his angel to be with him through the lion's den. God might not always keep you from an unhealthy work culture, but he is with you through it. He might not always keep you from feeling lonely or uh, overwhelmed by life, but he is with you through it. God might not always keep you from feeling ostracized or looked down upon for your faith, but he is with you through it. Trust in him, and he will deliver and prosper you for his glory. The story ends with three great reversals that display the absolute sovereignty of God. First, God reverses Daniel's death, verse 24. Once Daniel is taken up out of the lion's den, the king commands those who had maliciously accused Daniel to themselves be thrown into the lion's den. Maliciously accused is an Aramaic idiom that is literally who had eaten his pieces. God reverses the plot of those who had eaten Daniel's pieces. Instead of Daniel being eaten by the lions, they are the ones consumed. Second, God reverses the king's decree. Rather than decreeing everyone in his kingdom worship him, Darius decrees that everyone should worship the living God whose kingdom shall never end. Darius' kingdom was the largest empire the world had ever known, far greater than the power today of the United States or China or Russia. But today, Darius and his kingdom are long gone. 
Scholars debate who this Darius even was because this is the only surviving record we have of his name. Once the most powerful man the world had ever known, now no one even knows who he is. But what has lasted is his confession. The kingdom of the living God shall never be destroyed. There's a lesson here about the power of a faithful witness. This reversal happened because of Daniel's trust in God. And think about this too. God didn't need to deliver Daniel in this way. He could have chosen to deliver him in any number of ways. He could have stopped the plan of the officials from the beginning. He could have given Darius the will to reverse his command and not throw Daniel into the lion's den. But he chose to deliver Daniel in this dramatic way. Why? That he might display his glory. It's the same thing that he did when he delivered his people from Egypt. He hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he might save his people with great signs and wonders so that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, he says. Perhaps God desires to use you in a similar way. Who knows how God might desire to use your daily working with integrity and commitment to God even when it's unpopular. Daniel didn't do anything dramatic in and of himself, in and of itself. He didn't seek to start a new trend or a new movement. He just continued his simple practice of prayer. And God used that to change the heart of nations. Do you want to change the world? Pray. And seek to live your life with integrity before God. There's actually an even bigger reversal happening here. The story takes place in Babylon, the site of the Tower of Babel. You may remember this from when we looked at uh, this passage last year. This is where early on in the history of humanity, people gathered to build a tower in order to make a name for themselves. God had commanded them to fill the earth with his glory, but instead they chose to gather in one place and seek their own glory. And God responds by confusing their languages and dispersing them throughout the earth. Now, here, in that same city, Daniel, instead of seeking to make a name for himself, like the officials and Babel before them, he serves the Lord. And God responds not by confusing his language or casting him from Babel, but by delivering and prospering him in such a way that God's glory is spread throughout the earth like he originally intended. The whole kingdom of Persia, the greatest kingdom the world had ever known, is told of the living God who delivered Daniel from the power of the lion. God reverses Daniel's death, he reverses the king's decree, and third, he reverses Daniel's destiny. Look at the last verse of this story, verse 28. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The officials sought Daniel's demise, but instead he prospered. When it feels like your life is, has no direction or like it's spiraling out of control, 
when you come face to face with a lion, remember that far from defeat, your sure destiny is to prosper, to share in the victory and glory of God himself, to experience all the blessings of living in his eternal kingdom. It's rather than looking inward, outward, or giving up, look up to the living God and remember his promise to deliver and prosper you for his glory. Daniel is a man of integrity in his work, his character, and his spiritual discipline and faith. But he's not only an example to us. He also points us to the one in whom we trust. In Daniel, we're told that there was an excellent spirit. But Jesus, we're told, had the Holy Spirit without measure. And when, like Daniel, the rulers of Jesus' day conspired against him and sought to manipulate the higher authorities into executing him, professing that they had no God but Caesar, Jesus had perfect trust in his Father. He prayed, not my will, but yours be done. Like Daniel, Jesus is arrested as he's praying. And like Darius, Pilate unsuccessfully seeks to free Jesus. And like Daniel, Jesus is abandoned and left alone to die. And like Daniel, his tomb is sealed by a stone that no one may tamper with his fate. But unlike Daniel, Jesus does actually die. There was no angel to comfort or deliver him. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Daniel's trust delivered him from death. Jesus' trust delivered him to death. Because in order to deliver and prosper Daniel, and in order to deliver and prosper you and me, Our sin had to be paid. None of us lives a perfectly righteous life. We all neglect what God commands. We fail to pray with the faithfulness of Daniel. We fail to live our lives with perfect integrity in our work and our relationships. And we cave to the pressure to compromise our faith. Jesus was forsaken that he might deliver you. And like Daniel, at early sunrise, Jesus is found alive. The angel who was with Jesus had rolled away the stone. But unlike with Daniel, there is harm found on Jesus. Thomas saw the marks of the nails on his hands and placed his hand in his side. The blameless one was harmed that he might deliver you from harm. So that when you feel overwhelmed by the stresses at work and home, when you feel alone, when you feel like a failure or a fraud, when you feel the pressure to compromise your faith, or you dread tomorrow, he might deliver and prosper you out of every 
adversity. Jesus was raised so that even through death, he might deliver you. And when God delivered Jesus from the dead, his glory was spread like never before. Far more than a decree from a forgotten earthly king, Jesus' resurrection sparked the beginning of the coming of the kingdom of God, where people from every nation, all the way down to you and me, come to worship him. One day, every knee will bow to Jesus. And our sure destiny is to prosper and share in our King's glory and victory for all eternity. What a God we serve. When you come face to face with a lion, don't look inward to yourself. Don't look outward to the wisdom of this world. Don't give up. Look up to the living God who would deliver and prosper you for his glory. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are a God who delivers and prospers us for your glory. Thank you that when we come face to face with a lion, we can look to you, the living God, and you hear our prayer. By your spirit within us, help us to do that this week, we ask. That through your son, your name might be glorified in our lives and our world. And do this for his sake, we ask. Amen.